the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It doesn't matter how powerful you are and how majestic you may be. It doesn't matter if you're an ancient being that goes back to the origin of the universe. Without God, you are incomplete. Unfallen beings need to contemplate the cross of Christ. Unfallen beings need to know the eternal God. Unfallen beings need to bow down and worship to remain loyal to God. That's Pastor Michael Oxentanko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Today's message is entitled, The God Particle. Again, The God Particle, and you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, please call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Stay tuned at the end of today's broadcast. I'll have information on how you can attend the worship service in person if you would like. You can also attend anytime online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Here now is Pastor Michael Oxentenko with the first portion of The God Particle. Today's Reaching Your Heart. Dr. Leon M. Letterman is the scientist who in 1993 coined the term The God Particle. Dr. Letterman won the Nobel Prize in Physics in 1988 for his breathtaking work in the field of neutrinos. Neutrinos are subatomic particles. What does that mean? That means particles that are smaller than an atom. Now, that's real small. They are electrically neutral, interactingly weak particles that are so small that scientists have not been able to accurately describe their mass. I mean, that's how little they are. They live in the shadow world we call the quantum world. Modern physics has become the science today of the super small. The big answers for the origin of the universe aren't found so much in studying quasars and background radiation. The really big answers are to be found in the micro world of the super small, the quantum world that we cannot see. Some of the smartest people in the world today are looking for answers in this quantum world, the world beyond the microscope, so far down there that we can only see it with mathematics and through massive experiments that require cyclotrons and accelerators that smash particles at speeds that are unbelievable. The standard model of physics is a tapestry of work from many hands of many scientists who have pieced together a picture of the subatomic universe that is made up of these super small particles, and they call many of them quarks. With names like bottom quark, top quark, tau neutrino, the long list is almost complete except for one. I mean, they have been putting together a theory, a tapestry, but there has been one particle that has eluded them. The search to unite these family of little quark particles into a coherent theory of sorts, the standard model, they call it, that is consistent enough to explain the world of the super small. The elusive particle has been named the Higgs boson. The Higgs boson was named after the theoretical physicist Peter Higgs, who theorized in 1964 that the yet unknown Higgs field and its ensuing particle, the Higgs boson, is necessary to explain why certain subatomic particles have mass. 
Now, mass means real existence in the universe in which everything is fuzzy and uncertain. It means something that can be measured and something that has substance and potential weight. It means reality in the fuzzy world, the quantum world of the super small. Now, according to the standard model of physics, the Higgs particle is a boson and a type of particle that allows a multitude of identical particles to exist in the same place, in the same quantum state. In other words, it gives reality to other particles. So the Higgs boson has been called the God particle. It is the particle that makes other particles exist with mass. On July 4, 2012, the elusive God particle that no one had ever seen before was suddenly announced to the world with the help of a 17-mile-long CERN super collider near Geneva, Switzerland. I mean, smashing particles, subatomic particles, like golf balls shattering against a wall at super speed. Scientists have now announced to the world that they are 99% sure that they have found the God particle. They have seen its shadow, and now they believe it is real. And they hope one day they will see the God particle in person as they pursue more precise science. In his book, The God Particle, Dr. Letterman frames the question on the cover of his book that is behind the search for truth in modern physics. It is the human question that seeks an answer for the universe that we take for granted. It is the question that only one person, if he is really personal, can answer. The title of the book is called The God Particle. If the universe is the answer, what is the question? Friend, if the universe is the answer, what is the question? Where did it all come from? What is the world about that we see? The world that they are studying to understand. What is the question that gave rise to the answer? In the book of Revelation, at the center of all that there is, there is an eternal being who is more a question than an answer. At the center of the cosmic whole, there is a throne, and the one who sits upon the throne is more a question than an answer. When we find him, we found more mystery than we find solutions. When we come to know him, we see someone that we must fall down and bow before because he is the awesome God of eternity. Why? Because if God is so simple, you can explain him with simple answers. Then the answer you seek is something less than you. In the Bible, God has answers for us all, sure enough. And yet, paradoxically, God himself is a question that it takes all eternity to answer. At the center of the cosmic hole, there is a mystery in the middle of the universe. There is a throne and one who sits upon the throne with a scroll and it was sealed with seven seals. And the one who sits upon that throne is more a question to the answers that we seek than an answer to the questions that we must answer. In the book of Revelation, we are drawn to the center of the universe where the mystery draws us to that eternal being. And there we find the truth shrouded in mystery. Revelation 4, verse 5. From the throne issues flashes of lightning and voices and peals of thunder. And before the throne burn seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there is, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within, and day and night they never cease to sing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. You know, if you came to God's throne this morning, If you came here seeking answers, 
You may be surprised that you come to a God who is more a question than an answer. God is wrapped in darkness and the lightning dances around the throne of God. And in the storm of eternity, in the center of the universe, in the wheel that is greater than a spiral galaxy and the river of fire that flows from his throne, there is the smallness of God and the greatness of God mixed in mystery in the storm, lightning and thunder. And in the midst of the storm that is God, the four living creatures cry out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Friend, holy means God is wholly separate from us. I mean, there are times we think of God as being so close, we forget that God is God. The one who is and was and is to come is more a question than an answer as you stand before his awesome throne today. Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I mean, in church, we often speak of God's attributes of love, his forgiveness, and all these are true. But if we do not embrace his holiness, we cannot really know him. We can never start the journey toward grace. The Bible says, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Now, there are three repetitions of holy here in Revelation. Because God who is one, the great almighty God who rules the universe, God is also three. Holy is the Father. Holy is the Holy Spirit. Holy is the Eternal Son. Here we have the Trinity. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Three equals one. And so the mystery of God is the mystery of math that doesn't make sense, but nonetheless it is real. When we come to God, we find a question more than an answer in this vision. Certain things, dear heart, you must accept, you cannot explain. That three are one. And so they sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You know, in our culture, we want God to be so much like us that God has become less than what he really is to many. Is that not true? Much of contemporary music today treats God like he's a sweetheart of sorts or a sentimental friend or someone you can just kind of cry all over. And nothing more than that. He has been reduced down to something which is a caricature of our media and of our culture that we see in the alley cat Hollywood culture of our time. Much of the modern Christian world wants to dance in the presence of God that is no more than more of them with more majesty and power. But before there is a revelation of God in Jesus Christ, before we encounter the Lamb in the book of Revelation, we find here the vision of God in which God is holy, holy, holy. The Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. You know, the person who will not tolerate the holiness of God will never come to know God as a friend. The person who cannot bow down and realize that God is great will never be moved by the greatness of his love that gave us Jesus. The journey toward God in the Bible starts with a God who is holy. It starts with a God who is wholly different from us, and it comes to the smallness of life, and we do indeed discover that he is our friend, but it doesn't start there. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You know, the environment that surrounds God's throne is full of meaning and significance for us today. In verse 5, the Bible says there is lightning and thunder. Has anyone here ever been struck by lightning? But I can say that I respect lightning and thunder. When I was up here at Pine Forge at camp meeting, I went to sleep in my car because there was no hotel. This lightning storm came. It was just dancing around the car all about the thing. And frankly, I, I was terrified. I was lit up like a candle the whole night practically. This thing was moving through. And our, there was like deja vu all over again. Wonder if it was going to hit the car. Well, it did. I lost my uh, computer system on it, but it didn't hit me. When God appeared on Mount Sinai to give his Ten Commandment law, friend, God was manifested in the lightning of the storm. 
I mean, you cannot take the storm away from God's presence. The holy God who is and was and is to come is the great God who lives in the midst of the storm. In Exodus 20:18, we find the impact on the people of Israel. Now, when all the people perceived the thunderings and the lightnings and the sound of the trumpet, the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled and they stood afar off. And notice what they said. It says, and they said to Moses, you speak to us and we will hear, but let not God speak to us lest we die. I mean, you ever prayed like that? When you fall on your knees and you want God in your life and as soon as God manifests his presence to you, you're so afraid of the divine encounter, you want to get away from him. Have you ever had that happen to you? Or you're so afraid that if you get close to God, you'll be stung by God, that God will do something to you and you'll, you'll end up on the raw end of things. I mean, there's a sense of God's holiness in all of us. When a person sees God in all his power and moral majesty, the vision of the God who spoke at Sinai is such that your knees begin to knock and you feel the fear that is deep within the human psyche. And when you really see the holiness of God, the first feeling, we see it right here at Mount Sinai, is to run away from God and say, Moses, you speak to us, that's all right, but don't let God speak to us lest we die. And yet there is something in the mind of this awesome, powerful God. He wants to break through the storm to speak to you. He wants to touch you, and yet he cannot betray his holiness. And so there is mystery, there is question, there is a profound veil that separates us from him. Get out of there before the holy God destroys you. That's the universal fear we all feel. Around the throne are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. These are the ancient ones. They are the guardians of the throne in the universe. They are the oldest and wisest beings in the universe. And they stand in the presence of God who is more a question than an answer. They have eyes that see in front and behind with spherical sight. They see in all directions. That means when they're in your presence, they know everything. They see everything. They don't miss a clue. The book of Daniel calls them watchers. And they are looking at us all the time if they are here. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4.9 that we are a theater to angels and to men. Now in the book of Ezekiel, these four living creatures each have four distinct faces. The face of a lion, the face of an ox, the face of a man, and the face of an eagle. Each one has four. But in the book of Revelation, each creature has only one face. And I've asked the question, why the difference with the book of Ezekiel here? You know, it could be that John sees these four living creatures from one perspective only. Perhaps he is standing right there in the middle of the throne. And each living creature faces John with a different face while the others face out. These are four faces. They represent qualities of power and intelligence that serve God at his will. So let's just go through them and analyze them. The first living creature is like a lion. And a lion represents boldness and ferocity. Now, I had a friend by the name of Dan Collins. He's now dead. He was an evangelist up at Michigan Conference. And Dan was kind of bold. He was kind of like a lion. He went to the zoo one day. And as he was at the zoo, he saw a lion. And he wanted to pet the lion. So he stuck his hand through the bars to pet the lion. As he began to pet the lion, the lion just simply took its mouth and put it right over Dan's hand and closed it down. Now Dan was in a pickle. He took his hand, instead of trying to pull it out, which wouldn't have worked, he decided to stick it in as hard as he could. And he stuck that hand all the way deep into the throat of that lion. The lion opened its mouth. 
He pulled it out as quick as he could. And as he was pulling his hand out, the lion roared. Its jaws came down and it cut his hand. He bore the scar till the day of his death. He had played with the lion. You do not want to play around with lions. We'll continue with today's Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. If you'd like to attend the worship service, I will have details on how you can do that here at the close of our broadcast today, so please stay tuned. You can always attend online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Many archived messages are available there for you, and you can attend the live service in a streaming format at that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Let's continue now with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in today's Reaching Your Heart. I mean, Dan came to our church. He was the evangelist. And he, well, I tell you, the whole place was kind of like broken up for a few weeks till he finished saving souls and bringing them to God. I had to sit down, down once and say, Dan, you got to behave in our church. You may be an evangelist. You just got to behave. He loved the Lord. He was a great man of God, and I, and I miss him. The first living creature is like a lion, and a lion represents boldness and ferocity. In Proverbs 28.1, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. The second living creature is like an ox, and an ox represents strength. Proverbs 14.4, where there are no oxen, there is no grain, but abundant crops come by the strength of an ox. In fact, at camp meeting last year, I got into trouble. You know, we meet once a year at Pine Forge. People come from all the different churches, and we have preaching, singing, and fellowship. At the end of the thing, the pastors are sent to a small period of perdition called Camp Breakdown, where they have to take the tents down and put them all away and pack them up. Now, some of the young guys were picking on me. You know, these young fellows out of the seminary, they're smarter than the older generation. They're physically stronger. And one of them was making fun of me a little bit. I was saying, Pastor Oxentanko, can you kind of lift these tents? I... I look like a a midlifer, and I am. But something in me was startled by that challenge. Now, my name is Oxentanko, okay? And there's a reason it's called Oxentanko. And I picked up one out. When I was a young boy, I learned in Virginia how to throw hay on a truck. And so there's a trick to it, using your body physics and center of gravity where you can lift a lot more weight than you normally could. And some of these wonderful city boys who play basketball didn't know that. I began to demonstrate to them how it was done. So I picked up some of those tents, and I kind of put it and rolled it into my body and threw it up. And with the energy that came from picking it and rolling it and then pushing it, it looked like I was a lot stronger than I really was. And I put that thing right over the top of the truck. And suddenly my, the friend who was putting me down said, Pastor Oxentanko is an ox. He's an ox. There's the ox, and I couldn't live that down. This year, I decided not to try and do that and let the younger guys throw them up. But, you know, when we think of an ox, we think of strength. And so, of course, that is the quality here described. The third living creature is like a man, and a man represents intelligence. Proverbs 24, 5, and 6, A wise man is mightier than a strong man, and a man of knowledge than he who has strength. For by wise guidance, you can wage war. And in abundance of counsel, there's victory. I mean, let's face it. I'd rather be smart and wise than strong because with the right kind of intelligence, you can create wealth. You can move mountains with the mind. The fourth living creature is like an eagle. An eagle represents swiftness and flight. Jeremiah forty-eight forty. For thus says the Lord, Behold, one shall fly swiftly like an eagle and spread his wings against Moab. And then Proverbs 23, 5, speaking of wealth, 
When your eyes light upon it, it is gone. Is that not true? Especially at tax time. For suddenly it takes itself to wings, flying like an eagle toward heaven. Of course, an eagle represents swiftness and flight. These four living creatures are the most powerful beings in the universe beside God. They are the ancient guardians of the throne of God. And they cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty anyway. They're not talking about how great they are. As great as they are, they stand in the presence of a humble deity that far surpasses any attribute they possess. They know who has the real power, and they are humbled in the presence of a God who is awesome. Each of the four living creatures have six wings. In the Bible, the number six appears for the first time as the day that God created Adam. It is the one day that is shy of seven, so in that sense it represents incompleteness without God's finished work of rest. It doesn't matter how powerful you are and how majestic you may be. It doesn't matter if you're an ancient being that goes back to the origin of the universe. Without God, you are incomplete. Unfallen beings need to contemplate the cross of Christ. Unfallen beings need to know the eternal God. Unfallen beings need to bow down and worship to remain loyal to God. And so the most powerful beings in the universe come to worship God. In Revelation 4 and 5, there are seven torches of fire before God's throne. These seven torches represent the Shekinah glory of God, which is the Holy Spirit fire of God that moves throughout the universe. These torches correspond to the candlestick with seven branches in the holy place of the Hebrew sanctuary. Hebrews 10, 29 gives us the physics of God's presence. Very simple verse. It says, our God is a consuming fire. I mean, what is God? In one place it says, God is light. But here it says, our God is a consuming fire. That means bright light that is hot. Luke 3.16, John answered them all. I baptize you with water. But he who is mightier than I is coming, the thong of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Then what does the text say? And with fire, the Holy Spirit is the fire. When the Holy Spirit came down at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down as tongues of fire. In Revelation 4, 6, there is a sea of glass before God's throne. The sea of glass represents the vast expanse that separates a holy God from his creatures. Between God and us, there is a sea of glass. The God who lives in the storm of lightning and thunder stands before a peaceful sea in the book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation, there is not a troubled sea that stands before God's throne. There is a sea of glass. When Jesus was on earth, Christ calmed the troubled sea. You see, there cannot be a troubled sea in the presence of our God who is the storm. The sea must be calm. Mark 4, 39, and Jesus awoke and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and it was a great calm. It became a sea of glass. After the seven plagues are over and the righteous stand at the end, they will stand on the sea of glass that is mixed with fire. The fire of God's presence and that peaceful sea will mix as one to inaugurate eternity for them. The beast of Daniel 7 come out of the troubled sea and the beast of Revelation 13 comes out of the sea too. Before God's throne, there is a sea of glass. The great God of the universe, dear heart, is fundamentally a God of peace in the book of Revelation. Paul talks about our Father God, peace and grace from God to you. 
The God who lives in the storm is the God who calms the storm of life. The God who wields the lightning bolt in his hand, who speaks with thunder, is the God who speaks the word, peace be still, at the end of time. And there is a sea of glass at the end. If God is not the holy God, if God is not the almighty God, then God is not able to save you now. Friend, there is a peaceful sea in your future with God. And so we see in the book of Revelation a God who is more a question than an answer, a mystery, a paradox. The powerful God who lives in the storm is the powerful God who calms the storm. Paradox and mystery. And peace and power without contradiction flow from his throne to all who need the question more than the answer in life. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, who is, and who is to come. Friend, we need to worship God a lot more for who he is. And stop this foolish talk about us being the good news. It's not our church. It's not our individual achievements. It's who God is that matters in the end. In the book of Job, a whirlwind came across the desert, knocked the house down that housed his children. Satan was behind it. His family died in the storm in the middle of the book of Job. Job is caught in the middle of the storm of life that is altogether ordinary. The storm of tragedy that happens to every believer who stands for God. At the end of the book of Job, God appears to Job in the midst of a whirlwind. And God comes with questions instead of answers for the angry man who wants to know God. He throws one question after another at Job without an answer. And Job can't answer any one of them. He finds that God is more a question than an answer. And then Job understands that God is the storm who calms his storm. He comes to understand that the question with a capital Q is sometimes more important than the answer with a small a. He comes to know a God who can never be fully known. And he discerns in the midst of his storm that God is the storm who brings light with the lightning and the thunder. Well, we need to leave it there for the first portion of The God Particle. It is a part of the Revelation series. You can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Once again, reachingyourheart.com. We would really love for you to be a part of our worship service. It's held every Saturday at 11 o'clock. That address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. Or if you're more comfortable, you're certainly welcome to watch online at reachinghearts.org slash video. reachinghearts.org slash video. The live broadcast will be streaming and available for you on that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Thanks for listening, and we do pray that God is reaching your heart.